Section 5.2, Barriers to Effective Listening. We are in class. Fundamentals of Human Communication 1090 in the listening chapter. Our learning objectives are, one, discuss some of the environmental and physical barriers to effective listening. Two, explain how cognitive and personal factors can present barriers to effective listening. And three, discuss common bad listening practices. Okay, let's begin. Barriers to effective listening are present at every stage of the listening process. Hargy, 2011. At the receiving stage, noise can be blocked or distort incoming stimuli. At the interpreting stage, complex or abstract information may be difficult to relate to previous experiences, making it difficult to reach understanding. At the recalling stage, natural limits to our memory and challenges to concentration can interfere with remembering. At the evaluating stage, personal biases and prejudices can lead us to block people out or assume we know what they're going to say. At the responding stage, a lack of paraphrasing and questioning skills can lead to misunderstanding. In the following section, we will explore how environmental and physical factors, cognitive and personal factors, and bad listening practices present barriers to effective listening. Environmental and physical barriers to listening. Environmental factors such as lighting, temperature, and furniture affect our ability to listen. A room that is too dark can make us sleepy, just as a warm that is too warm or cool can raise awareness of our physical discomfort to a point that is distracting. Some seating arrangements facilitate listening, while others separate people. In general, listening is easier when listeners can make direct eye contact with and are in close proximity to a speaker. You may recall from Chapter 4, Nonverbal Communication, that when group members are allowed to choose a leader, they often choose a person who is sitting at the center or head of the table. Anderson, 1999. Even though the person may have not demonstrated any leadership abilities, people subconsciously gravitate towards speakers that are non-verbally accessible. The ability to see and hear a person increases people's confidence in their abilities to receive and process information. Eye contact and physical proximity can still be affected by noise. As we learned in Chapter 1, Introduction to Communication Studies, environmental noises such as a whirring air conditioner, barking dogs, or a ringing fire alarm can obviously interfere with listening despite direct lines of sight and well-placed furniture. Physiological noise, like environmental noise, can interfere with our ability to process incoming information. This is considered a physical barrier to effective listening because it emanates from our physical body. Physiological noise is noise stemming from a physical illness, injury, or bodily sense. Ailments such as a cold, a broken leg, a headache, or a poison ivy outbreak can change from annoying to unbearably painful and impact our listening rel relative to their intensity. Another type of noise, psychological noise, bridges physical and cognitive barriers to effective listening. 
psychological noise or noise stemming from my psychological states, including moods and level of arousal, can facilitate or impede listening. Any mood or state of arousal, positive or negative, that is too far above or below our regular baseline creates a barrier to message reception and processing. The general positive emotional state of being in love can just be as much as a barrier as feeling hatred. Excited arousal can also distract us as much as anxious arousal. Stress about an upcoming uh, about upcoming events range from losing a job to having surgery to wondering about what to eat for lunch it can overshadow incoming messages. While we explore cognitive barriers to effective listening more in the next section, psychological noise is relevant here given the body and mind are not completely separate. In fact, they can interact in ways that further interfere with listening. Fatigue, for example, is usually a combination of psychological and physiological stresses that manifest as stress, psychological noise and weakness, sleepiness and tiredness, physiological noise. Additionally, mental anxiety, psychological noise, can also manifest in our bodies through trembling, sweating, blushing, or even breaking out in rashes, physiological noise. Cognitive and personal barriers to listening. Aside from the barriers to effective listening that may be present in the environment or emanate from our bodies, cognitive limits or a lack of listening preparation, difficult or disorganized messages and prejudices can interfere with listening. Whether you call it multitasking, daydreaming, glazing over, or drifting off, we all cognitively process other things while receiving messages. If you think of your listening mind as a wall of 10 televisions, you may notice that in some situations, five of the 10 televisions are tuned into one channel. If that one channel is a lecture being given by your professor, then you're exerting about half of your cognitive processing abilities on one message. In another situation, all 10 televisions may be on different channels. The fact that we have the capability to process more than one thing at a time offers some advantages and disadvantages. But unless we can better understand how our cognitive capacities and personal preferences affect our listening, we are likely to experience more barriers than benefits. Difference between speech and thought rate. Our ability to process more information than what comes from one speaker or source creates a barrier to effective listening. While speaking rate at the rate of 125 to 175 words per minute, we can process between 400 and 800 words per minute. Hargy, 2011. This gap between speech rate and thought rate gives us an opportunity to side process any number of thoughts that can be distracting from a more important message. Because of this gap, it is impossible to give one message our undivided attention. But we can occupy other channels in our minds with thoughts related to the central message. For example, using some of your extra cognitive processing abilities to repeat, rephrase, or reorganize messages coming from one source allows you to use that extra capacity in a way that reinforces the primary message.
the difference between speech and thought rate connects to personal barriers to listening as personal concerns are often the focus of competing thoughts that can take us away from listening and challenge our ability to concentrate on others messages two common barriers to concentration are self-centeredness and lack of motivation brownell 1993 for example, when our self-consciousness is raised, we may be too busy to think about how we look, how we're sitting, or what others think of us to be attentive to an incoming message. Additionally, we are often challenged when presented with messages that we do not find personally relevant. In general, we employ selective attention, which refers to our tendency to pay attention to the messages that benefit and us in some way and filters others out. So the student who's checking, checking his or her Twitter feed during class may suddenly switch his attention back to the previously ignored professor when the following words are spoken. This will be important for the exam. Another common barrier to effective listening that stems from speech and thought rate divide is response preparation. Response preparation refers to our tendency to rehearse what we're going to say next while a speaker is still talking. Rehearsal of what we will say once a speaker's turn is over is an important part of the listening process that takes place between the recalling and evaluation and or evaluation and responding stage. Rehearsal becomes problematic when the response preparation begins as someone is receiving the message and hasn't had time to engage in the interpretation or recall. In this sense, we are listening with the goal of responding instead of with the goal of understanding, which can lead us to miss important information that could influence our response. Lack of listening preparation. Another barrier to effective listening is a general lack of listening, pre listening preparation. Unfortunately, most people have never received any formal training or instruction related to listening. Although some people think listening skills just develop over time, competent listening is difficult and enhancing listening skills takes concerted effort. Even when listening education is available, People do not embrace it as readily as they do opportunities to enhance their speaking skills. After teaching communication courses for several years, I have consistently found that students and teachers approach the listening part of the course less enthusiastically than some other parts. Listening is often viewed as an annoyance or a chore or just ignored or minimized as part of the communication process. In addition, our individualistic society values speaking more than listening, as it's the speakers who are sometimes literally in the spotlight. Although listening competence is crucial, is a crucial part of social interaction, and many of us value others as we perceive to be good listeners, listening just doesn't get the same kind of praise, attention, instruction, or credibility as speaking. Teachers, parents, and relational partners explicitly convey the importance of listening through statements like, you better listen to me or listen closely and listen up. 
but these demands are rarely paired with concrete instruction. So unless you plan on taking more communication courses in the future, and I hope you do, this chapter may be the only instruction you receive on the basics of the listening process, some barriers to effective listening, and how we can increase our listening competence. Bad messages and or bad speakers. Bad messages and or bad speakers also present a barrier to effective listening. Sometimes our trouble listening originates in the sender. In terms of messages of message construction, poorly structured messages or messages that are too vague, too jargon filled or too simple can present listening difficulties. In terms of speaker's delivery, verbal fillers, monotone voices, distracting movements, or a disheveled appearance can, can inhibit our ability to cognitively process a message. Hargy, 2011. As we will learn in section 5.23, bad listening practices, speakers can employ a particular particular strategies to create listenable messages that can take some of the burden off the listener by tailoring a message to be heard and processed easily. Chapter 9, Preparing a Speech, also discusses many strategies for creating message, messages tailored for oral delivery, including things like preview and review statements, transitions, and parallel wording. Listening can also becomes difficult when a speaker tries to present too much information. Information overload is a common barrier to effective listening that good speakers can help mitigate by building redundancy in their speeches and providing concrete examples of new information to help audience members interpret and understand the key ideas. Prejudice. Oscar Wilde said, Listening is a very dangerous thing. If one listens, one may be convinced. Unfortunately, some of our default ways of processing information and perceiving others leads us to the rigid ways of thinking. When we engage in pre prejudice listening, we are usually trying to preserve our ways of thinking and avoid being convinced of something else. This type of prejudice is a barrier to effective listening because when we prejudge a person based on his or her identity or ideas, we usually stop listening in an active or ethical way. We exhibit prejudice in our listening in several ways, some of which are more obvious than others. For example, we may claim to be in a hurry and only selectively address the parts of a message that we agree with or that aren't controversial. We can also operate from a state of denial where we avoid a certain subject or person altogether so that our views are not challenged. Prejudices that are based on a person's identity, such as race, age, occupation, or appearance, may lead us to assume that we know what he or she will say, essentially closing down the listener listening process. Keeping an open mind and engaging in perception checking can help us identify prejudiced listening and hopefully shift into more competent listening practices. Bad listening practices. 
The previously discussed barriers to effective listening may be difficult to overcome because they are at least partially beyond our control. Physical barriers, cognitive limitations, and perceptual biases exist within all of us, and it is more realistic to believe that we can become more conscious of and lessen them than it is to believe that we can eliminate them altogether. Other bad listening practices may be habitual, but they are easier to address with some concerted effort. These bad listening practices include interrupting, distorted listening, eavesdropping, aggressive listening, narcissistic listening, and pseudo-listening. Interrupting. Conversations unfold as a series of turns, and turn-taking is negotiated through a complex set of verbal and nonverbal signals that are consciously and subconsciously received. In this sense... Conversational turn-taking has been likened to a dance where communicators try to avoid stepping on each other's toes. One of the most frequent glitches in the turn-taking process is interruption, but not all interruptions are considered bad listening. An interruption could be unintentional if we misread cues and think a person is done speaking only to have him or her start up again at the same time we do. Sometimes interruptions are more like overlapping statements that show some, some support, I think so, or excitement about the conversation. That's so cool. Back channel cues like uh-huh, as we learned earlier, can also overlap with the speaker's message. We may interrupt out of necessity if we're engaged in a task with the other person and need to offer directions. Turn left here. Instructions, will you whisk the eggs or warnings? Look out behind you. All these interruptions are not typically thought of, of as evidence of bad listening unless they become distracting for the speaker and or unnecessary. Unintentional interruptions can be considered bad listening if they result from mindless communication. As we've also already learned, intended meaning is not as important as the meaning that is generated in the interaction itself. So if you inter interrupt unintentionally, but because you were only half listening, then the interruption is still evidence of bad listening. The speaker may form a negative impression of you that just can't be erased by you noting that you didn't mean to interrupt. Interruptions can also be used as an attempt to dominate a conversation. A person engaging in this type of interruption may lead the other communicator to try and assert dominance too, resulting in a competition to see who can hold the floor the longest or the most often. More likely, though, the speaker will form a negative impression of the interrupter and may withdraw from the conversation. Distorted learning. Distorted listening occurs in many ways. Sometimes we can get the we can get the order of information wrong, which can have relatively little effects if we are casually recounting a story, annoying effects if we forget the order of turns left, right, left or right, left, right in our driving directions, or negative effects if we recount the events of a crime out of order, which leads to faulty testimony at a criminal trial. Rationalization is another form of distorted listening through which we adapt, edit, skew, 
or skew the informa incoming information to fit our existing schemata. We may, for example, reattribute uh, re the cause of something to better suit our beliefs. If a professor is explaining to a student why he earned a D on his paper, the student could re reattribute the cause from, I didn't follow the paper guidelines, to this professor is an unfair grader. Sometimes we actually change the words we hear to make them better fit what we are thinking. This can easily happen if we join a conversation late, overhear a part of a conversation, or are being a lazy listener and miss important setup and context. Passing along distorted information can lead to negative consequences, ranging from starting a false rumor about someone to passing along incorrect medical instructions from one health care provider to the next. Hargy, 2011. Last, the addition of material to a message is a type of distorted listening that actually goes against our normal pattern of listening, which involves reducing the amount of information and losing some meaning as we take it in. The metaphor of weaving a tall tale is related to the practice of distorting through addition as inaccurate or fabricated information is added to what is actually heard. Addition of material is a common feature of gossip. An excellent example of the result of distorted listening is provided by the character Anthony Crispino on Saturday Night Live, who passes along distorted news on the Weekend Update segment. In past episodes, he noted that LeBron James turned down the Cleveland show to be on Miami Vice instead of the Cleveland Caval Cavaliers to play basketball for the Miami Heat. And that President Obama planned on repealing the Bush haircuts instead of Bush tax cuts. Eavesdropping. Eavesdropping is a bad listening practice that involves a calculated and planned attempt to secretly listen to a conversation. This, there is a difference between eavesdropping on and overhearing a conversation. Many, if not most, of the interactions we have throughout the day occur in the presence of other people. However, given that our perceptual fields are usually focused on the interaction, we are often unaware of other people around us or don't think about the fact that they could be listening into our conversation. We usually only become aware of the fact that other people could be listening in when we're discussing something private. People eavesdrop for a variety of reasons. People might think that another person is talking about them behind their back or that someone is engaged in illegal or unethical behavior. Sometimes people eavesdropped to feed the gossip mill or out of curiosity. McCornack, 2007. In any case, this type of listening is considered bad because it is a violation of people's privacy. Consequences for eavesdropping may include an angry reaction if caught, damage to interpersonal relationships, or being perceived as dishonest and sneaky. Additionally, eavesdropping may lead people to find out information that is personally upsetting or hurtful, especially if the point of eavesdropping is to find out what other people are saying behind their back. Aggressive listening. 
Aggressive listening is a bad listening practice in which people pay attention in order to attack something that a speaker says. McCornack, 2007. Aggressive listeners like to ambush speakers in order to critique their ideas, personality, or other characteristics. Such behavior often results from built-up frustrations within an interpersonal relationship. Unfortunately, the more two people know each other, the better they will be at with aggressive listening. Take the following exchange between two long-term partners. Deb, I've been thinking about making a salsa garden next to the side porch. I think it would be really good to be able to go and pick our own tomatoes and peppers and cilantro to make homemade salsa. Summer, really? When are you thinking about doing it? Deb, next weekend, would you like to help? Summer, I wouldn't hold my breath. Every time you come up with some idea of the week, you get so excited about it. Did you ever follow through with it? No. We'll be eating salsa from the store next year, just like we are now. Although Summer's initial response to Deb's idea is seemingly appropriate and positive, she asks the question because she's a, she has already planned her upcoming aggressive response. Summer's aggression toward Deb isn't about a salsa garden. It's about a building frustration with what Summer perceives as Deb's lack of follow-through on her ideas. Aside from engaging in aggressive listening because of built-up frustration, such listeners may also attack others' ideas or mock their feelings because of their own low self-esteem and insecurities. Narcissistic Listening Narcissistic listening is a form of self-centered and self-absorbed listening in which the listeners try to make the interaction about them. McCornack, 2007. Narcissistic listeners redirect the focus of the attention to them by interrupting or changing the topic. When the focus is taken off of them, narcissistic listeners may give negative feedback by pouting, providing negative criticism of the speaker or topic, or ignoring the speaker. A common sign of narcissistic listening is the combination of a pivot when listeners shift the focus of attention back to them and one-upping when listeners try to top what previous speakers have said during the interaction. You can see this narcissistic combination in the following interaction. Bryce, my boss has been really unfair to me lately and hasn't been letting me work around my class schedule. I think I may have to quit, but I don't know where I'll find another job. Toby, why are you complaining? I've been working with the same stupid boss for two years. He doesn't even care that I'm trying to get my degree and work at the same time. And you should hear the way he talks about me in front of other employees. Narcissistic listeners, given their self-centeredness, may actually fool themselves into thinking that they are listening and actively contributing to a conversation. We all have the urge to share our own ideas during interactions because other people's communication triggers our own memories about related experiences. It is generally more competent to withhold sharing our stories until, other, until the other person has been able to speak and we have given the appropriate support with response and response. But we all shift the focus of a conversation back to us occasionally either because we don't know another way to respond or because we are attempting to make empathy. 
Narcissistic listeners consistently interrupt or follow another speaker with statements like, that reminds me of, well, if I were you, and that's nothing, Nichols, 1995. As we'll learn later, matching stories isn't considered empathetic listening, but occasionally doing it doesn't make you a narcissistic listener. Pseudo-listening. Do you have a friend or family member who repeats stories? If so, then you've probably engaged in pseudo-listening as a politeness strategy. Pseudo-listening is behaving as if you're paying attention to a speaker when you're actually not. McCormick, 2007. Outwardly, visible signs of attentiveness are an important part of the listening process. But when they are just an act... The pseudo-listener is engaging in bad listening behaviors. She or he is not actually going through the stages of the listening process and will not likely be able to recall the speaker's message or to offer a competent and relative response. Although it's a bad listening practice, we all understandably engage in pseudo-listening from time to time. If a friend needs to talk, but you really but you're really tired or experiencing some other barrier to effective listening, it may be worth engaging in pseudo-listening as a relational maintenance strategy, especially if the friend just needs a sounding board and isn't expecting advice or guidance. We may have also pseudo-listened to a romantic partner or grandfather's story for the 15th time to prevent hurting their feelings. We should avoid pseudo-listening when possible and should definitely avoid making it a listening habit. Although we may get away with it in some situations, each time we risk being found out, which could have negative relational consequences. Congratulations, you have made it through 5.2 barriers to effective listening. Come back and meet me in section 5.3, Improving Listening Competence.